Hey, it's Sunny Days. I am the co-host and co-creator of Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Listen, I am a podcast her, okay, H-E-R, an activist, a thought leader, pin pusher, and lover of poodles. And I'm Lisa Davis, MPH. I am a lover of social justice, healthy living, dogs, and I love being the co-host and co-creator of Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Now is the time for honest, unfiltered conversations, for authentic voices and their stories, and for connection. Join us as we confront the moment head on with this podcast. It is passionate. It is real as lives behind the headlines. Active allyship, it's more than a hashtag. And listen, it goes beyond the likes, the retweets, and the hashtags, making space for the vital dialogue necessary for racial justice. And now on to the show. Davis, so glad you're listening to Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Sunny is away today. I am so glad to have Alberto E. Gonzalez Jr. on the program. He is a senior strategist for the Health Policy Project at Unidos US. Today, we're talking about how 70% of Latino parents support COVID-19 vaccine requirement for students and staff. And I think this is wonderful. People who listen to the show, I have a master's in public health. I'm all about the vaccine. I'm all about the masks. And I just get so annoyed when people... Uh, I won't get into conspiracy theories. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> Alberto. Welcome to Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Thanks for having me today. So Sunny always asks the first question, but she's not here, so I will ask it. And it is, what were you marinated in? Well, I was marinated in uh, values that support uh, uh, strength, unity, um, but also empowerment. And I, you know, I've been working in the areas of health policy for many years now, and, and I see the, the need and I've been, uh, I, I've, I've been inspired to do this work and to address the needs, particularly when it comes to Latino children. And I think this stems from, from my personal experience growing up in, in, in Los Angeles in an immigrant household in a low-income immigrant household. And, and, you know, that experience stays with me and, and inspires me to continue to give back to the community, specifically when it comes to health coverage and nutrition, and now ensuring that our community has access to, to these supports and making sure that, that, that we have the tools that we need to be able to contribute, continue to contribute to the, the, the country. And so uh, that, that, I think that's, sort of, that's what I'm marinated in is, is um, empowerment in making sure that we are, uh, the community is getting the support that they need, but to be able to continue to contribute to our uh, our nation's economy. Do you mind sharing just some of your experiences? You were saying growing up an immigrant in a low-income household? Yeah. Um, so my parents were born in Mexico and uh, came here in the 60s to live a better life as many, you know, many immigrants do. And, uh, and I, you know, we, you know, my parents, you know, worked long hours and, uh, but they were able to raise myself and, and my three sisters. And, um, you know, we, we, we didn't have a lot growing up, but I think we, we were, uh, blessed to have the support from our parents, um, who are hardworking people. And I think that instilled within us, um, the ability to, to just work hard, to give back. I think that that's another value that, that we all have is, um, 
taking care of a family, but also giving back to our community. And so, you know, that, that experience inspired me to, you know, go to college and, you know, work in policy and, and, and provide and, and, and uh, do public service um, given the challenges that, that I saw growing up, um, but to support families that are going through similar situations. And I think with regards to the immigrant, immigrant immigration experience, I mean, certainly there's, there's um, a lot of gaps out there in terms of what needs to be done to ensure that all, all Latinos, including those in immigrant families, are able to get the benefits that they need because we know that there's many policies out there that exclude immigrants from getting health coverage, that, that um, exclude them from getting food assistance. And so, you know, the, the upbringing I had in a mixed immigrant status household with parents who were born in Mexico, um, you know, I, that, that I want to ensure that families in those types of situations are, are getting the supports that they need. And so that's sort of a full, full circle experience that I've had, you know, through from growing up in LA, but also um, now where I'm, where I'm at in Washington, DC, doing healthcare policy at the federal and state level. Wow, that's really awesome. You know, when I lived in California, I became very close with a family from Mexico. They had immigrated. They had two kids, 15 and nine. And I got, they, I'd volunteered for this program to help. It was supposed to be to help adults learn English. But I was like, I like kids. Not that I don't like adults, but I'm like, I don't think I have the skills. But so I became close with this girl. She's now, geez, it's been, she was nine. Now she just turned 41. So you know, I'm old, much older. <laughs> anyway, it was, it was such a wonderful experience. And I just saw the sacrifices that the parents made for these two kids. I mean, they had a two room, so they gave the bedroom to the kids. They slept on a fold out mm-hmm. couch. They worked their asses off. And I, I learned back then I spoke almost fluent Spanish. I still have a lot, but I need to practice. But at any rate, like we would have these really deep conversations and it was just amazing. And, and unfortunately the parents have passed away, but I'm still close with the siblings I mean, they're children. Um, but it was just like, wow. I mean, the, the, the sacrifices, I don't think people realize what it takes, you know, and they were in Mexico, like she was a, the squash champion in the 1960s. And then here she, you know, was cleaning homes yeah. or, you know, whatever. And he was just this intellectual powerhouse, you know, working in a factory. And like, I don't yeah. think people realize, I don't think they get it. Right. I just, it pisses me yeah. off. Yeah. And, you know, because of the, the hard work that my parents did to support my, you know, my siblings and I, you know, because of that, we were able to, uh, you know, achieve this, you know, this goal where we were ultimately were able to all get our master's degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, and, awesome. you know, my, and, you know, my parents, you know, uh, they sacrificed a lot, a lot of time. And, but, you know, I, I, I'm blessed that, um, I, I grew up in that sort of supportive, that supportive environment. And it's something that I think everyone deserves. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, yeah, they both went to college. They're doing great. I, I just think that a lot of especially white people, they just don't get it right. Like I remember once we went over there and I, I had a friend of mine with me and I was translating and she was like, almost like I didn't realize that you could have deep conversations about politics and religion and philosophy or whatever because he works in a factory. I'm like, you don't get it at all. Like, what is wrong with you? But then I realized, geez, that's probably unfortunately what a lot, I shouldn't say a lot, but some white people think, right? Or or even maybe other other cultures, like they don't get it. They don't understand that you get the work you get and you work your ass off and you want to do have your children to have a better life. Even if you 
had, you know, you might have been a doctor in another country, right? I don't mm -hmm. think they see that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the immigrant community uh, is such a major contributor yeah. to this country. I mean, we, we saw that during the pandemic where, you know, we, essential workers, we know that Latinos played a, a, an important role in providing essential services during the pandemic. And that's why at the beginning of the pandemic, we saw, you know, disparities in COVID-related cases where, you know, Latinos who were working in these essential industries were getting were getting affected with the virus mm -hmm. and, you know, weren't getting the protections they needed to um, keep themselves safe. And so I think I think it's important to to point out the the immense contributions that Latinos and immigrant populations are giving and providing to the country right now um, yes. in order to fight this virus. And it's it's crucial that, you know, our federal policymakers, state policymakers ensure that that Latinos and, and immigrants uh, workers are are getting the supports they need to contribute and to to uh, move this country in, in the path forward to fully recover from from this pandemic. Let's jump into the topic. If you could first start by telling us what is Unidos US. Unidos US, we're the nation's largest Latino civil rights and advocacy organization. We've been working with our our affiliate network and have been at the forefront of responding to this pandemic. And certainly, the Latino community has experienced uh, disparities during the pandemic. But even before uh, the pandemic, has just exacerbated the situation for Latinos, especially Latino children. We know that uh, Latinos, in particular Latino children, have high uninsured rates, which is a challenge in terms of getting access to comprehensive, affordable health care for for themselves, but also for their their parents. And so we've seen how this pandemic has has magnified disparities across the board for the Latino community. And, you know, according to recent data from the CDC, we know that Latinos comprise about 27% of COVID cases and about 18% of COVID-related deaths. And I'll just mention that, you know, last week we reached a grim, we reached a grim milestone of 700,000 deaths oh from gosh. COVID and a drop in the nation's life expectancy by a full year. And Latinos experienced one of the biggest drops at three years. So this COVID has had a profound impact on the Latino community, and which is why this uh, vaccinations is such a crucial uh, opportunity to address these disparities and to ensure that Latinos can can be healthy and can continue to uh, contribute to to this country. How do you talk with people about vaccines? This might be more common um, in the African-American community, but, you know, there's distrust, which is warranted from, you know, things from the past. But how do we talk to people and say, listen, this is really important. This will, this can save your life and not just your life, but other people's lives. Yeah. So we have uh, a campaign. It's called Esperanza Whole for All. It's an initiative that we launched uh, early during, through, over the course of the pandemic. And our key focus is to certainly convey compelling messages to the Latino community, but that's done in a culturally and linguistically appropriate manner. We need to, uh, you know, there's lots of questions out there. Our poll that we released uh, recently showed that there's a lot of questions that Latino parents in particular have about the vaccine. Uh, they want to, they want more clear information from the FDA, the CDC, uh, to address their, their concerns around safety and, and, and their questions about vaccines for children. But I think the, the important point here is uh, to ensure that, that that communication, that response is done in a culturally and linguistically appropriate manner, making sure that 
the, the messages are done not just in English, but in different languages, including Spanish, that we are meeting Latinos where they're at. We actually had a, a mobile educational tour that we, uh, we had executed over the summer in different, different locations where Latinos typically go, whether it's swap meets or, you know, different community events to really get the word out about vaccines, uh, to answer questions that Latinos have about the vaccines, where to go to get, get a vaccine. There's a lot of, um, confusion out there about not just vaccines, but just where to get them, who's eligible for them. Do they have to pay? Are there immigration requirements? There's, there's a lot of, um, uh, certainly misinformation out there as well that we're trying to tackle. Uh, to ensure that Latinos are getting accurate information in their own language. Yeah, I think that's so incredibly important. Let's talk about some of these statistics. Uh, most Latino parents, nearly 90%, are increasingly concerned that their children will become seriously ill from COVID-19. 7 in 10, uh, 70% express support for requiring that all students and staff be vaccinated for children to safely return to school. More than 6 in 10 Latino parents have vaccinated their eligible children compared to 41% of parents overall. And nearly half of all Latino parents intend to vaccinate their children under age 12 as soon as possible once vaccine is made available to that age group. Yes, and certainly, as, as, as you mentioned, there is a, a strong desire to, to want to get more information, but also wanting to get, uh, get, get their, their kids vaccinated. Um, and one thing we wanted to capture from this poll that we conducted recently is to just get a sense of the perspectives that Latino parents have. What are, what are the barriers they're encountering? We know that there is concerns around having to take time off from work in order to get themselves vaccinated, but also their kids. Um, and, and so that, that's one major concern. And then the importance of healthcare messengers, you know, that ch- children's doctors, their doctors are critical uh, messengers to close vaccination gaps, to close information gaps, to, to get their questions answered. And I'll just mention that according to our poll, about uh, 30% of Latino parents have, have yet have not had that conversation yet with their doctors. And so we want to continue to, you know, encourage Latino parents out there to talk to their doctors or healthcare providers about, about vaccines for their, for their children. We know that um, we learned recently, we learned this week that Pfizer is requesting um, that the, that their vaccine be authorized for use for kids between five and 11. We know that there's an upcoming meeting with the FDA to discuss this. And so certainly we're, we're going to be seeing uh, conti- uh, continual questions about vaccines for kids. But, you know, healthcare messengers are crucial to address um, the questions that, you know, parents have to close these information gaps and, and vaccination gaps. Well, what blows my mind is that we're in a global flipping pandemic. There should just be like take off work and get vaccinated. Yeah. And you know, the, the other issue is that Latinos are in working in job sectors where they don't have these types of benefits. They're either working in low wage jobs or in jobs that don't have, don't provide employer sponsored health insurance. Um, so there, there's other systemic barriers out there that right. are preventing Latino parents from getting, from being able to, to take time off without, be, uh, you know, risking uh, being let go or m- missing hours, not getting paid. And so, you know, that's certainly something that we've, we've elevated in our findings uh, around the need for, uh, having some uh, pay some uh, protections for for Latinos who are working and to ensure that they have they're able to to get take time off <laughs> to get themselves right. vaccinated and that's something that we've you know that we we've elevated in our in our advocacy work and 
we know that there are some examples out there in states like California, for example, where they have, you know, they have a toolkit available for employers in terms of having to develop a policy for, for paid time off on vaccines specifically. But we know that there's, there's, there's still a need to, to, to elevate this, this issue um, and to address these systemic barriers. Now, how long have you been involved with UNIDO US? So I've been with the organization for about three years now. And uh, so working on, on the issues of health coverage and uh, nutrition as well. And now with, with, with the pandemic response. So certainly we, once the pandemic hit, we a lot of the issues that we were trying to address before COVID in, in terms of un, the uninsured rates, the food insecurity situation, all those issues it were, became, were exacerbated by the pandemic. And so we've seen across the board how, how COVID has uh, increased food insecurity, uh, the uninsured rate. We know that there, there have been major investments done at the federal level to respond to the pandemic. And we've seen, we've seen how that's, that's played a role in impacted communities. But we know that based on our poll that we, we just conducted, that Latino parents are still concerned more so today than last year. Right. And so that speaks to the additional need um, for additional supports, whether they're, they're um, economic supports, uh, health coverage. Um, we know that school meals was uh, and, and food assistance was a, a, a had strong support from Latino parents, but there was also strong support to have additional investments in expanding access to free school meals for uh, for the Latino community in our poll. Is there anything else that you wanted to add about COVID and, and masks? And, you know, we haven't talked about masks. Yeah, so the survey certainly reveals support for, for vaccine mandates and requirements and also to have employees, for example, wear masks, um, have, uh, you know, individuals who are going indoor in indoor dining or other um, spaces that they wear masks as well. So there's support for that. Um, that was revealed in the in, in the in the survey findings, and I think it just speaks to, again, just how how just the profound impact that COVID has had on Latinos, and you know, as I mentioned, the life expense ex, the life expectancy you know dropped by three years, you know, because of the pandemic, and we know that in our poll that Latinos uh, parents had per- personal experiences with with the virus, and and that experience on top of the, uh, the the fear of the virus. We know the Delta variant has also spread, and and it's it's um, you know particularly when this poll was released, it ha- it was released right when Delta was spreading, oh. um, and so you know we we were able to capture this perspective from Latino parents at a unique point in time in in that in that in that variant spreading around, but also in this national debate around vaccine mandates and mask mandates, and so. You know, as a result of this, we did we have seen Latino parents support these types of uh, requirements in place for for vaccines, but also for having you know uh, students and, and employees wear masks indoors. Yeah, I think it's so important. Well, I'm so glad that you came on today. I just wish people would just trust science. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like can we go back to trusting science? Is is that possible? Yeah. Well, just to build on that, you know, Latino Latino parents support and, and listen to those that are are embedded and invested in the science. They trust healthcare messengers, okay. you know, um, the information from the CDC or the FDA, those are sources that Latino parents, according to our poll, trust. They want to 
gather more information from these sources to answer their questions about the vaccines, especially for, for their, their children. And so um, we know that there's upcoming uh, meetings and uh, discussions at the federal level in terms of uh, the emergency use authorization of vaccines for kids. And so, you know, that's going to be another opportunity to certainly educate the community about the vaccine for kids, but also to encourage uh, and close vaccination gaps for those Latino parents who have not yet been vaccinated. And so it's, it's another opportunity to, to work with our affiliate partners. Um, and we encourage our li uh, listeners to visit our website, unidosus.org, for more information about the vaccines for children. We have information in English and Spanish as well. Uh, we have our, our Esperanza Whole for All initiative, and where we, where we have um, you know, suggested uh, messaging and, and talking points and uh, social media to help amplify uh, and encourage Latinos to, to get a vaccine. Um, and you know, one thing that I'll, I want to, want to note is there's been a lot of confusion about vaccines and about the, uh, you know, what's required, what's not required, but it's been made clear by the CDC that vaccines are available to everyone at no cost and regardless of immigration status. And that's such a crucial message that we were trying to convey to Latino parents because there's still confusion out there. Yeah. There's still the, the remnants of the Trump administration as far as fear, the public charge issue, um, the chilling effect. We need to continue to address that issue and continue to educate and raise awareness among Latino community members about the available uh, resources they have to keep themselves and their families safe. You know, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Alberto, because I was going to bring that up, that regardless of, of immigration status, everybody needs to get the vaccine and nobody should be turned away or be afraid of getting reported. And don't even get me started on Trump. We will be here all day. <laughs> not not pleased. You're fabulous. And I'm so glad you came on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Tell your friends and family. This is really important, and we want to get the word out. So glad that you're listening. Please keep coming back. Also, follow us on Instagram at activeallyship.podcast. Thank you so much. <laughs>